everyone. Before we get started, we wanted to let you know about our venue consulting. We have broken up our offerings into four distinct needs, design, sales and client experience, marketing, and those all important SOPs. You can take advantage of one or all of these tricky spots for your venue. If you want to learn more and get a few more details, head on over to hustleandgather.com to see how we can work together and reach your venue goals. All right, let's get to today's show. I know that the images I'm going to deliver to my client are going to be exactly what they want and they're going to love them, but how can I elevate that product even further? It's the experience and how we got them to those images. And that really is the most important thing, hands down, is the experience that they feel really makes the product that much better. Welcome to Hustle and Gather, a podcast about inspiring the everyday entrepreneur to take the leap. I'm Dana. And I'm Courtney. And we are two sisters who have started multiple businesses together. And yes, it is as messy as you think, because we know that starting a business isn't easy. We've done it four times. And on this show, we talk about the ups and downs of the hustle and the reward at the end of the journey. And we love helping small businesses succeed. Whether it's through our venue consulting, speaking, or team training, we love to motivate others to take that big leap. Or you could just use our misadventures to normalize the crazy that is being an entrepreneur because every entrepreneur makes mistakes. But we like to call those unsuccessful attempts around here. And we know it's just part of the process. And today we're learning from Chris J. Evans, a California-based fashion and editorial style wedding photographer who also shoots in Maui and destinations worldwide. Chris and his team are passionate about delivering an unforgettable experience for their clients. His work has been published by Brides, Style Me Pretty, Wed Lux, California Wedding Day, Destination I Do, Martha Stewart, Grace Ormond, and many more. We got the absolute pleasure of meeting him at Engage in Baja Mar this past December. And Chris, welcome to Hustle and Gather. Hey guys, thanks so much for having me. So glad to be here. Yeah, such a long list of things you've been that featured in. That is a long in. list. It's been 10 years going. I just keep plugging away. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's awesome. Well, we're so excited to have you. I know when we met you in uh, the Bahamas, he would be a great podcast guest. So I know. entertaining. Such great energy. So fun. Yeah. A lot of fun. Yes. Thanks, so, guys. Thank yeah. you. It's the name of the game. You know, if you're not having fun, it's not worth doing. That's true. That's so true. That's so true. <laughs> so why don't you start telling us a little bit about your background, you know, kind of what got you into this business? What made photography so intriguing for you? For sure. So I started back, ooh, I'm going to date myself a little bit, but I started back in the mid nineties. One of my mom's dear friends, I uh, was a professional photographer, gave me my first Canon film camera and I just loved it. I grew up in Laguna beach. So I was like, I was always surfing, skateboarding. All my friends were like all really cool and good at sports and things like that. So it was just really fun to always have a camera with me and mm-hmm. just be capturing that lifestyle that we all loved. And I just like stuck with it forever. And then you know, long story short, ended up moving to Maui in 2010. And then I fell into weddings and then it just kind of snowballed from there. Wow. That's a lot of space in between there. So what did you do between the nineties <laughs> and 2010? So much space in there. I know. Um, so I was, uh, I was playing in bands for a long time. So then okay. basically through music culture, again, I always had my camera with me. So I had access to shooting friends bands and taking great pictures there And then when I was like 20, I was doing like some modeling work and and then that sort of exposed me to fashion photography. And I really loved the process of creating the art. And, you know, it was fun being part of the art, but really like creating the art was what really um, intrigued me the most. So then I started doing fashion photography 
And then when I had moved to Maui, I thought I was going to continue doing fashion photography, but the industry there, there's just, it's so saturated with photographers and there's so many people who are just willing to work for trade that it wasn't a viable business at all. So at that point, that's when a friend of ours who was a model that I'd shot before asked me to shoot her wedding. And then it just snowballed from there mm-hmm. through Facebook and word of mouth. Well, you definitely, your style is definitely editorial. Yeah. Like when you look at the wedding pictures, it, it, they all look, I'm pretty sure they all are high end, but they all look very high end um, and very like you have, like all your clients are actually models. <laughs> <laughs> so I can see how that it inspired your weddings. But what made you think, like, did you grad, did you go to school? Like, what made you think that you wanted to start your own business? Like what, what was the turning point for you when you said, this is what I want to do with my life? Like a hundred percent, I don't want to go have a safe corporate nine to five job. Uh, for sure. So like, when we, again, <clears throat> when we first got to Maui, I had a, had a survivor off the bat. So I got a job waiting tables. I was working at this great place called Mama's Fish House, which is like a Maui staple. Mm-hmm. It's fine yeah. dining. It's an incredible place. And, and I really learned a lot about servicing luxury clientele there. You know, aside from just the food we brought to the table, it was the experience that made even that food that was delivered taste that much better. Mm-hmm. You know, and so through waiting tables. And then on the weekends, I'd be doing like family pictures. I'd be doing it's like some here and there weddings. And it finally just got to a point where my business for photography started just, it was it just became too much to do both. And it was mm-hmm. at that point where I was like, you know, I was, I have got to go full steam ahead. It was the only way to continue to, um, to grow and achieve my goals. And it honestly took me about 10 to 15 weddings before I was like, I guess this is going to be a viable path because yeah. I kind of fought weddings for a while in the beginning. I didn't think that they were going to be that creative or they could be that fun and intriguing. I thought it was like, I, I honestly thought weddings weren't that cool um, for a long <laughs> time. And then after I just like, oh, wait, you guys will pay me how much? <laughs> it just, it just kind of cool. started to snowball. And honestly, like going to a wedding, it, it's such a fun experience. I got to really channel all my favorite things of photography. I got to be a product photographer shooting her shoes and jewelry. I got to be a, a photojournalist capturing the candid off the cuff moments. And then, you know, ultimately I got to do my passion again, which was shooting fashion and editorial, mm-hmm. except now instead of like some crazy avant-garde haute couture outfit, she's in this beautiful gown that's already been tailored to her she's been pampered the best hair and makeup and everyone's super happy and it just all of a sudden it clicked and I was like oh yeah this is definitely a path forward and then I put my tunnel vision on and just went straight ahead (laughs) (laughs) I have that tunnel vision she does have that tunnel vision (laughs) I get absolutely (laughs) the truth I think you're, it's a unique story, right? Like I totally understand going saying okay I'm gonna do this uh, part-time job and you know, wait tables and do this thing on the side. But I, there's very few people that even though they have the business to support it, that they still take that, make that decision to open a business because there is that kind of that fear in the back of your mind, or maybe they weren't modeled that. So is there anyone in your life that modeled the fact that you could do this and be successful? Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. You know, I was really fortunate. I grew up in a house of creatives. My mom was a famous uh, wedding dress designer and fashion designer all through the mm-hmm. 80s. She did uh Chris Kardashian's dress when she married Bruce Jenner. Like, mm. I mean, like crazy kind of high level yeah. stuff. So ever since I was like knee high to a grasshopper, I was surrounded mm. by 
my mom like dressing these beautiful women in these amazing gowns. So it was like sort of in my DNA kind of to begin with. And then, you know, their whole life has just been this amazing creative pursuit. And they always had inspired us, all the kids, we all live pretty creative lives to just really like, you know, just go for it. If you're passionate about it and, you know, people, you know, want to pick up what you're putting down then just, you know, do it. So that was definitely the first level of amazing inspiration. And then really at, at Mama's Fish House, everyone I worked with, everyone was so like supportive of me and, and really like, you know, inspired by like just watching how hard I was working. So like, let's say a wedding planner, because everyone would go there, right? So, so one of my coworkers be like, oh, you got to go talk to table two. That's this big wedding planner. Or go mm-hmm. talk to table four. So like everyone was kind of like on my team. And it just mm-hmm. like between like, my parents and my background and my friends and my wife, who's always like gung ho about me chasing my dreams. It just, it just created this perfect surge of just, you know, energy behind me. I love that. And yeah. I, I think it's so rare to live, to grow up in a creative household because I feel like a lot of people put emphasis on, I don't even want to say corporate world or like the steady nine to five, but like even, even our parents who are entrepreneurs, it's not a creative field they're in at all. It's very like, necessity. Uh, they see a hole in the market. Okay, I could do this. I can create a living. I can create a life. And there's a very different approach, I think, to entrepreneurship when it's not not like you're trying to fill a hole in the industry and not saying you aren't filling a hole, but that wasn't the initial reason. The initial reason is to create something beautiful and amazing. And I think that is a lot of why people become photographers and florists and maybe stationaries that have that kind of design aspect to it. But I think it's so interesting. You said that all your siblings are in a creative field as well, that I think it's neat that it all trickled down to that because I think you very rarely see a family that's Well, because I think people like, you know, when you think about American culture, it's all about like stability Mm -hmm. and growth, that growth mindset. And traditionally, creative fields aren't very stable, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, it's hard to push your child in that direction. But you're thinking, oh, maybe I'm pushing them towards a life of instability, right? Yeah. Uh, but I love that there wasn't that barrier for you. And I, I love mean, that you were able to take something and actually turn it into a successful business. Yeah. I mean, that's quite an accomplishment. That was definitely like, you know, and I'm very pragmatic, you know, because I was at the time when I when I finally quit the restaurant, you know, like I've got my wife, I've got my two daughters, you know, and the restaurant was paying for all the health insurance. I mean, there were so many things of like why, you know, we, I got to keep this going, right? Mm-hmm. But it finally got to a point where I'm like, okay, this month I'm making three months what I'd make at the restaurant. And that was my final, that was sort of always like my barometer of when I could quit like the, the stability. And I was like, okay, at this point, it's like, this is working and this is happening and I can't be sidetracked any longer. So it was mm-hmm. at that point I had, to, I had to cut the safety rope and just like, and really jump in and go for it. Is there any moment like in that, like you've cut the rope and you're like, oh shit, like what have I done? Did you have like a, like a moment of doubt in there? I mean, you know, there's always just like a little bit of like background noise. I, I, I do succumb to the little tiny voice sometime going like, what are you doing mm-hmm. like, in this year? But then I always get that other guy who's just a little bit louder. He's like, just keep going. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the little voices in my head, but you know, honestly, I think I just, I set it up in such a way that when I did quit and went and went solo, <laughs> I left the band and went solo. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd kind of had all the, the puzzle pieces all lined up. And Maui is such a unique market where it's, it's a year round wedding industry. There's 30 weddings a day, seven days a week. 
you know, if not more there. So there was so much work. And especially in the beginning, you know, when you're still on the lower end of the pricing structure, you can, there's just so much work to be had, you know? So I, I grew by the time I went solo, I was doing probably the first year um, I left the restaurant I did about 17 weddings and then I did like 25 the next year. And then it went to 50. And then from 2016 to two, right leading up to the pandemic, I was doing about a hundred weddings a year between me and my team. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. There's a lot. Bonkers. Yeah, <laughs> that is bonkers. What was something from the restaurant? Because you talked a lot. You talked about how that really made you understand luxury and how to service luxury clients. So what were some skills that you were able to transfer over into that market of photography? Because, you know, we met you at Engage, which is a luxury event planning conference. And there was a lot of photographers there, right? There were and a lot. There was a lot of wedding planners there. And I think there's very few people that actually truly understand how to service a luxury client. And I'm really curious as to how that experience, you know, with Mama's Fish House allowed you to be successful in that market? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. You know what it is? It's, it, it's people just, they want to be entertained, you know, and, and mm -hmm. they want quality and they want service. They want to be cared for. And they want to know that, that the money that they're spending is worth something intrinsical to them. Mm -hmm. You know, so, so right off the bat, like, you know, the first thing, you know, the first thing I got to talk about is just when you first meet a client, when you first approach the table, when you first walk into the bride's room, you've got 15 seconds to establish yourself as a safe, trusted, professional, you know, person who has their very best interest and their very best experience at hand. Mm -hmm. So that was like the first thing that I really started to like, to really cultivate there. And what made me so good at what I did there was just that, that warm welcome, that just genuineness, you know, and just looking people in the eye and really connecting with them really quickly. You know, the second thing is, is, is really just the, the entire vibe that, that you carry with those clients, the, the energy that you're bringing out for yourself, that you're sharing with them, you know, it's such a, it's such an energy like transfer when you're, when you're working with people who are about to spend a lot of money with you, you know? And it's like, I just always wanted to be worth it with my photography, you know? And I, cause I knew like at the restaurant, I knew the product was going to be amazing. The food that they were going to eat was going to be the best meal they ever had. So how can I make that even better through the experience? I know that the images I'm going to deliver to my client are going to be exactly what they want and they're going to love them, but how can I elevate that product even further, it's the experience and how we got them to those images. And that really is the most important thing, hands down, is the experience that they feel really makes the product that much better. I love that. And I feel very strongly about that. We're actually onboarding some team members this week. And I was talking about them. I was like, you know, my passion isn't necessarily planning weddings, right? That, that has that time in my life has kind of come and gone. But what I feel very passionately about is every single experience that our client has with our company. And that to me is what I want to invest in. That's what I want to spend my time doing. That's what I want to, that's why I love processes and systems. And, and it's not because it makes my life easier. Sometimes it makes my life a lot harder <laughs> because I have, I'm very particular, but what it does is it allows me to know that every client is getting a top-notch, high-level, high-touch experience. And that is what gives you lifers, right? Like, and that's what you want. And especially, and I think in any industry, no matter how great your product is, if your customer experience sucks, 
that product has lost its value in the eyes of everybody. And everyone's had that experience. Like, Mm -hmm. I remember I had these beautiful wooden doors for our house. And there was a great price. And I loved them. I loved how they were designed. I loved that they fit in my budget. And uh, I was like, you have won me over when I when I ordered them. It took, I don't know, five, six months for him to get there. Could not get anybody on the phone. It was stuck in Kansas for forever. Like, all this stuff. And no one would give you any information. No one would tell you when they were coming. And then they came and they just dropped them off the side of the road and not in my driveway, which is kind of a long driveway. And I was like, I will never order from you again, even though I love your product and your product was exactly what I needed. And it fit this exact thing, right? I could never order from you again because your experience was so absolutely terrible. <laughs> and I think that's true for any business. Like it can make or break your product no matter how great your product is. Definitely. And especially it's just like, you know, why do people buy luxury goods to begin with, right? Mm. You know that you're buying into a, a brand or a company or an artisan who has, who's created something that they really want to last. You know, they're, mm. they're creating this classic, iconic piece of jewelry, a purse or a body of work, you know? And again, it's just that value. I think it's the more value you put in yourself for the product or services that you're delivering, the more valuable those products and services are to the client. I agree. Yeah. Did you ever struggle with like um, imposter syndrome? Like where you felt like, oh, am I really worth this? I mean, I'm so lucky to have such parents who literally anything I ever did in my life was the best or like the (laughs) most amazing. (laughs) But that had to set you up for some disappointment at some point. I mean, I have, I would be lying if I didn't say sometimes I came home from a shoot and I was like, oh man, like that one didn't really go exactly how I thought, you know, but because we're not machines, you know, all all I do know is that I go into every experience, every job, every interaction with someone to the, the very best I can possibly be in that moment. And sometimes it raises the bar. Sometimes it's at the bar. Sometimes it can be just below the bar, but that's just because we're humans. But yeah. I know I try my very best. I don't know about like imposter syndrome. I just, I always, sometimes I'm not, I'm definitely my own worst critic, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'll look at my work and I'll be like, Oh man, I really should have done that. How could I have like left that out? Or how can I have done that? No one else notices, but for me, I notice, you know, so I feel I've just, I grew in a really grassroots organic way. So as I kept going through each stage of my career, it just felt natural to do the things I did. So I don't think I ever suffered from imposter syndrome. I have suffered sometimes from, I wish I could have done something maybe a little better or a little different here and there. More of like that perfectionist attitude. Like if it's just not hundred percent perfect. Yeah. yeah, I understand that. <laughs> but I do think like just meeting you at Engage, like you're like an all-in person. Like mm-hmm. even when you're in a conversation, you're in the conversation. Like you're not looking for, uh, I found a lot at Engage where people are like, what's the next opportunity? Who's yeah. the next yeah. best person that I could talk to? But you're engaging literally, mm-hmm. you know, and invested in that person. So I could definitely see why that would be a benefit to your clients. Mm-hmm. You know, it is too. It's like, and I, I've talked about it a lot already just with you guys, but energy is so important for me. Like when mm-hmm. I'm like, when I'm at those events, like engage, I'm going to, I want to like do my best to just sort of like gravitate through the room at first. And then like, I can know right away who I'm like vibing with and who I'm not. And it's like, yeah. as soon as like, if I'm not vibing with you, I don't, I assume they're also not vibing with me. So it's mm-hmm. like, I, I want to like, just keep 
just being like the, the river flowing down the stream and finding my, my pond of people is always super important. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's like just really great business advice in general, like not, not talking about a conference, but just the people you surround yourself with, like whether that's other industry professionals or whether that's even if you're looking at who's, if you're manufacturing something, who's supplying that material or whatever, like finding that pond of people that you can share that energy with and vibe with. I think it just always creates a better overall, like quality of life. And I think just the overall product, cause you could feel when you're looking at something, you know, like, so for example, I love, we love this jeweler. She was on a podcast oh, early yeah. on called Palm Sunday. And her whole thing is about sustainability and creating a sustainable world and environment. So she's very adamant about, she only buys gems that were ethically sourced. Right. And there she's into like uh, finding gold, either reusing gold or trying to use alternate things. Cause that's also a big uh, issue with our environment and whatnot. And so every time that she creates something, right, it's, it is beautiful because she's a beautiful designer, but it is so, there is so much energy in that product because you're like, this was ethically sourced. There was someone who's actually getting a great paycheck from this. This is my money, even though it's a little more expensive and I could probably find a knockoff on Etsy or whatever. I know that when I wear this ring, like there is this, this vibe with it. Right. And it's hard to explain, but I, I love that. Mm -hmm. And I think that I feel like as a society, hopefully we're trying, we're moving in that direction where, and I think, and I think it's our next generation of people, like it's that Gen Zers, our children, they really care what they're purchasing and what that purchase power means and who are they supporting? Are they supporting people that have that same great energy and that same great vibe? So I don't know. I love that. Yeah. I think it's just great advice in general. For sure. It's just like, you know, everything I do, I, I have to do it with kindness. I have to do it with authenticity. Mm -hmm. And I have to do it with integrity. And, and that is just, you know, especially like the more I charge, like, again, the more I have to be worth it. Um, I just, it's so important to me that I am, that I'm always worth it. And that's really what I, I strive for constantly. So, which I think really brings up a great point when you are growing a team. So obviously you personally aren't doing 100 weddings a year. So you probably wouldn't have a family at that point. <laughs> Right. They would split. Yeah. They would split. They would not be on board for that. So when you have these really high standards, when you're selling, you know, yourself and your energy and who you are, because there's lots of great photographers out there, right? There's lots of options. So, you know, your thing is bringing that energy, bringing who you are to the table. Like, how do you translate that to a teammate? I've always been very, very, very very selective. And, and that process is so important for me, me growing up as a surfer and being in, in that world, you know, by and large surfers have like very mellow, easygoing attitudes and are very go with the flow. And, and one of the things that I've really come to find is that surfing and photography, especially wedding photography are the, have this really interesting intrinsic like connection where with surfing, you have to have timing split second decisions you know you have to be able to like if you got to bob and weave like no other sport you know i've ever been part of it and most importantly you have to have the ability to like i'll use this word infiltrate different groups of people in order to catch like a great wave and with weddings you got to infiltrate these new groups of people you've never met before instantly assimilate yourself into their vibe to create and capture the perfect shot. 
So mm-hmm. between timing and positioning and adapting into new groups of people, it's this amazing, like, like just bond between those two things. So for me, everyone on my team, everyone surfs, everyone is like, you know, a pretty good surfer, <laughs> which is fun. So I can spend a lot of time with my guys, you know, and so that's first and foremost, because I know that they're going to have these innate abilities that are really important to the job. And then I just start fostering their talent. You know, it's like, you know, first they start out just carrying bags and then they elevate to having being third camera where there's no pressure at all. Just walk around, just start shooting stuff. You know, I would do really, really in-depth critiques. And then, you know, you get to become second shooter, which is a big upgrade. And then after you've been a second shooter for a year with me, then you can upgrade to be a lead shooter on my big events. Because at that point you've done, you know, 25, 30, 40 weddings. And you understand like not only the flow of the wedding, but the flow and the experience I like to deliver. And that's all been a really crucial kind of part of, of what we do. So you don't necessarily hire photographers. So you're not hiring them for your their talent. You're hiring them for their personality and, and their energy. Yeah. Everyone is already, you have to already be into photography when you come okay. to the table. I, I can't okay. pick anyone who's like never done it before. Yeah. Right. But it's like, you know, most of my guys, they were all, you know, shooting surf photography or like shooting mm-hmm. like, you know, models or shooting like little product things. Like everyone comes to the table with photography experience okay. already. So I can just, I just start to fine tune them and like get them into the, the world of luxury. We'll do like mm-hmm. workshops too. Like this is what Louis Vuitton looks like. This is how you can identify a Valentino shoe. This is how you know mm-hmm. what Christian Louboutin shoes are. And like these abilities to as you know, unimportant in the real world that is when you can connect with the client. When I walk in, I'm like, oh my gosh, I love your Manolo Blahniks from across mm-hmm. the room. I've created that instant mm-hmm. bond and energy. Again, those things I learned back at the restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they ca- really care about those Manolo Blahnik shoes. They do. <laughs> like a lot. <laughs> right. And a lot of time looking for them, picking yes. them out, trying them on. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they made the decision to go with the real shoe, not a knockoff. Mm-hmm. Right. And they want people to recognize that that is real. And I think when you can, you're absolutely right. I think when you can connect with that. And, and I love the idea of, obviously they have to have some kind of knowledge. Like you need someone who knows how to work a camera and knows lighting and all that stuff. Right. But like what you're really doing is fine tuning them to get into the world, the, the wedding luxury world, which is very different than just shooting, you know, a picture here or there shooting surfers. But I love that. And I I think we hire somewhat similarly, like we don't necessarily, they don't need to have like a list of achievements of what they've done, but it's like, are you, are you moldable? Like, can you, can you be taught? Like, do you have at least like translatable skills? Like you don't have to be like, it doesn't have to be a like word for word. Oh, you fit our job description. And that was your previous job. Cause sometimes I honestly think, especially in creative industries, like photography, event planning or whatnot, that could be detrimental, you know, because they have this way that they've always done things and it should be done this way. So I think having some room for like, this is how we do things, I think is helpful, but definitely getting into that piece of that personality. Like you can't train personality, but you can, I'm sure, train like exposure speeds and camera lenses and all of those types of things for whatever your particular brand is. Exactly. You know, again, it has to be this like seamless flow where, where me and my team integrate ourselves into that wedding and into that event seamlessly, like three hours in, I want it to seem like we're 20 year friends with the client and every single Mm -hmm. guest there. 
I mean, that yeah. is like paramount. Everyone's at the end of the night when everyone's like, oh, you guys were awesome. No one's even seen a single picture. And right. we're already like in their inner circle. Yes, it, it is 100%. Because I, I just feel like people, and you mentioned before, they just want to feel good about who they're working with. And and I, I feel very strongly about that because no one's perfect, right? Like you said, we're not machines. So there's definitely weddings where I've had some like serious fuck-ups. And I'm like, holy shit, like what am I going to do? <laughs> but because the client like knows who I am, knows my intention behind whatever just mistake I made or whatever, and and I can fix it, I whatever, that they're really, they don't care, right? They, they care enough to say like, oh, you fixed it, that's great. But they're not going to be that crazy bridezilla right? That's going to start freaking out, flying off the handle because they have genuine feelings for my feelings. Like they really care about how I feel because they're so connected with me. Right. And I think that is such an important thing when you're talking about like a service industry as well. And those connections can save your ass (laughs) multiple times. The incredible (laughs) experience will override any mistake ever. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I've had some colossal ones, you know, but the experience was so amazing that you know, the resolve was fair and amicable mm-hmm. and there was no bad blood. And, and that's, you know, obviously we learn from those mistakes and we never make mm-hmm. the same mistake twice, but just the, right. the power of the experience, and that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and when, and when people hire my brand, they know what they're going to get. It's like, you know, when they're going shopping for, for a watch, you know, and they want to buy a Rolex, you know, nothing else will do, you know? So it's mm-hmm. like, I just, you know, want, and, and why is that? Because this brand has got this huge history, this track record, this more so than just the price and like the flex, you know, that you're buying into a product that has value, will continue to have value and will bring joy to you when you use it. And, you know, and that's the same thing I want to bring into my brand and teach all my, my team guys. I think it's so like relevant to where we are right now in our world, right? Like where I feel like experiences, what we're, we're stuck behind screens so much and we're not actually interacting with people in any meaningful way other than through a DM or through a, a comment or whatever, that when you can actually create those meaningful connections and create those experiences, I don't know. It's, it's like one of those, it's just such a delight. I don't know. I think it's also nice too, to be at your, at the point in your business where people are hiring you because of your brand and your personality and what you bring. They're not price shopping you. Do you know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? Like there is a big difference in a client that has purchased your services for, because of a price, as opposed to purchase their services because of a personality and an experience. Do you know what I mean? For sure. And you know, I really give social media for all of its other downsides. I give social media the big like plug there where it's given us all a platform to just to show who we are. You know, Mm -hmm. and I feel that some of the most successful people in our industry, almost any industry are putting themselves out there and showing their personality. Like on my stories, every time I show up at a wedding, I always do my little Hey guys, here we are. We're blah blah. blah. We're, you know, and 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 that energy. My my brides will contact me like, oh my gosh, we just love how excited you are every single time. Like you're really mm-hmm. into it, and it's and I truly am. I'm so grateful. Like I love my time waiting tables, but you know, I don't ever want to do that again. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, I love what I'm doing so much, and I'm so grateful for every mm-hmm. single client that puts their trust in me. That I just, I really, again, I go back to that. 
idea, I just always want to be worth it, you know, and I'm so grateful mm -hmm. that I want to just do everything in my power to ensure that it's an incredible experience. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Do you, do you find that luxury clients too, they crave a, a sense of realness as well? And I asked that like, because during the pandemic, me and my husband were, we were renovating our laundry room and I did this whole story. I was so excited about it. So I was like storing on my personal account, not my business account. And it was just a total, total fuck up in many ways. Right. So like, like I mismeasured something. So then he had to like cut the box and then we get it all in and he's like, okay, let's plug it in. And we had covered up the plug with the cabinet. And so we're trying to like cut a hole. And so I'm like storing this and relegating this thing, whatever. And it was like a, like two weeks later, I was talking to a client and they're like, what happened to your laundry room? Do you have a final picture? Cause I never actually sent a final picture of it. Like I have been following along and I'm so invested in what is happening with your laundry room. And it made me realize that there's a lot of times that I struggle with being really real, right? Being not perfectly put together, not I am super organized. And there's parts of my life that are super organized and there are parts of my life that I'm just not, right? And do you find that they crave that normalcy or do you find that they want the the putting on the airs, like the, the kind of the everything's perfect and I'm perfect and everything's going to be perfect? You know, that's a really great question. You know, I, people do crave authenticity and they want the real, but, you know, I, I also think with so much, you know, there's so much sadness and drama in the world already at hand. Like, I don't want to contribute. I don't want to put, you know, a lot of like my like big issues into the world just because I don't want to contribute to like, to, to the negative energy, you know? So for me, mm -hmm. I'm always going to be real and I'm always going to be authentic, but I do always want to be sharing and highlighting my, my highs, you know, like in the, well, you know, in the very beginning, right when pandemic started, I was like, we had just moved from Maui to California. We bought a house that was twice as much as our last house. So my mortgage was twice as expensive. I had the entire year of work just evaporated in one week of emails. So I like, I went up to my roof and I, I went on an Instagram live and I like had a, a moment, a total emotional <laughs> like moment. And I had never really aired like, like that kind of energy out into the, into the world. And I was just, I really did receive a lot of love back from it. So mm -hmm. people were like, oh, you got this, it's going to be all right. So there was a lot of love and support, but that was really the only time I had that real sort of that level of like airing, like the negative, you know? So I just always want to keep things like really fun and upbeat because 99% of the time, like, that's just, that's just me. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm so grateful for so many things in my life that it's hard for me to get down on myself. Yeah. And I, I think that's, I think that's valid. And I think sometimes even, even, uh, showing the happy, silly, super excited, maybe everything isn't polished, but I'm like super pumped side of you is, is still very real and still very authentic. And, and I agree with you. I'm not, I'm not into being a Debbie Downer, you know, and like, cause there is, there is so much, it's just, the world is just so heavy. I mean, even right now it's just so heavy mm -hmm. and I don't want to be that. Yeah. We should yeah. just be the beacons of shining light. Yeah. <laughs> so mean, we are with the beacons why of shining. highlighter. Yes. I mean, come on. <laughs> oh. Well, anything fun coming down the pipeline? Oh, I just did this amazing editorial yesterday with Jess Gordon, which was really fun and okay. moving oh, back nice. to California. And you know that, so we just collaborated, did a really creative shoot together. Uh, I've got a big wedding in Italy coming up, all kinds of exciting things. I'm 
booked my first few jobs up in Colorado. So I'm just, I'm really excited about new opportunities and, and everything that I wanted to do when I moved back to California, which, cause I had this amazing plan. I was going to move back from Maui 2020. I was just going to finish up Maui contracts while building California and like regular and other destinations. And then I was going to, or last year was supposed to be all just, you know, destinations and cool new stuff. And Hawaii was going to take a back seat, but you know, the world had other plans for us. Right. So last year I did 66 weddings on Maui and mm-hmm. racked up about 120,000 miles on Hawaiian. So wow. it was a lot of back and forth last year. So yeah. my big plan, my design is now finally happening this year with events all over and still a lot of stuff in Hawaii, but I'm just branching out to new, new environments, new locations, new, you know, temperatures. yeah i love that where can people find you and follow along in all these great adventures and show you some some love online oh for sure so my website's uh, chrisjevans.com and all the up-to-date stuff is on my instagram chrisjevansphoto all my stories my team guys all of our shenanigans you know we again we try to make it really fun everything is just you know what you see is what you get with us we wear our excitement on our sleeve every day Thanks, everyone, for gathering us today to talk about the hustle. For our episode with Chris, we are drinking a summer old-fashioned. We hope we get the chance to make it this week, and cheers to having great energy. To learn more and connect with Chris, you can find his beautiful work on Instagram at ChrisJEvansPhoto, and you can learn more about his business by visiting ChrisJEvans.com. To learn more about our hustles, visit us on the gram at CND Events, at the Bradford NC, and at Hustle and Gather. And if you're interested in learning more about our speaking, training, or venue consulting, head to our website at hustleandgather.com. And if you love us and you love this show, we'd be more than honored if you left a rating and a review. This podcast is a production of Your Fluence. I'm Courtney. And I'm Dana. And we'll talk with you next time on Hustle and Gather.